Hello and welcome back to the One Take Show podcast. In this episode, we are in conversation with a very, very special guest. Our guest today is Miss Radhika Bishwajit Dubey. Ma'am is the partner at Cyril Amarchand Mangal Das. And in this episode, we talk about her experience, her invaluable experience. We also talk about the major takeaways from her experience. What is it that young juniors can do or assimilate in their personalities, in their legal career outlook that can help the teams in these top reputed law firms. We also talk about what is it that the young law students who intend on interning in these law firms do to perform better, to create their own niche. And finally, we talk about a very interesting topic that is the validity of an unstamped arbitration agreement because there are a lot of questions surrounding this topic there is a little bit of an uncertainty when it comes to the status quo so obviously it requires a lot of dialogue and discussion and who better to discuss this but with ma'am so if you like this episode make sure you like share and subscribe to the channel if you have any suggestions or feedbacks write them down in the comment section i would love to read them so ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's jump right in you want something go get it period one we are recording hello ma'am welcome to the one take show i'm really grateful to have this opportunity to speak with you i think as a law student we really idealize all our seniors who especially have created their own mark and uh, have established this expertise that we all are in awe of and are trying to learn from so thank you so much for joining me for this conversation and this exciting theme that we are going to talk about so yeah thank you so much thank you for having me costa right thank you ma'am so before we begin with the theme of the conversation which i think is very very interesting especially for anyone who is even remotely interested in arbitration would definitely love to learn more about it but there is a tradition where i ask my guests about their experience with law in general because i believe there is a lot that we can learn from the experience itself there is a lot of inspiration we can draw out of it so uh, ma'am what inspired you to get into law and uh, how has your journey been so far so my journey with law um, let's see uh, having spent more than 13 years in the field now i can safely say uh, that it's been very rewarding for me i joined the profession as a law clerk to justice uh, call that experience by far remains the closest to my heart i have also spent time abroad uh, working with a law firm in 2010 uh, when i returned back to india i joined amarchand mangaldas and have stuck to the firm ever since um yeah so this is this has been my journey so far of maybe uh 13 years uh i have some takeaways though from this journey uh looking back i feel um to have a guru uh, a mentor is very important a person who can constantly guide you pick you up uh, when you falter your confidant your mirror who also shows you the stick if and when required it's too precious and valuable invaluable a gift to have also i feel it's very important to understand your drive uh, to each one its own what drives you is it money is it power is it service to society or maybe a combination of uh, either of the two or more uh, law consumes you so unless you are driven you would not be able to sustain uh, i also feel that this profession requires you to keep pushing your limit 
keep pushing your limits don't feel that you know you're bound by something uh, believing in yourself and you know overcome overcoming the challenges uh, that come your way also becomes very important uh, i also feel that uh, it's very important to have the attitude of being a student for life uh, the day i get a feeling that i've become a master uh, or something uh, the downfall would start there and then the idea is to constantly sort of evolve and grow there can be no limit to learning i mean even after 13 years today i still feel there's so many things i don't know and i don't have a clue about uh, and that's the beauty of a profession law is not static and it's continuously uh, changing uh while knowing the statutes and judgments are important understanding and you know being aware of the social political or maybe the economic considerations behind the statutes and why these judgments have been pronounced are equally important i think um apart from this i feel having a solid foundation uh and spending that kind of time in your initial years is very important uh as they say there is no substitute to hard work and perseverance so it is very important uh as a fresh law graduate especially to spend your initial 4 5 years just understanding law the practice procedures uh, once you achieve that you could venture out into more specialized areas right right wonderful i think you've already talked about a little bit about mentorship which i think is absolutely uh, wonderful and sort of necessary that we as law students especially when we reach final years of our law school try to understand as to how we can get into uh, a position where we can find a mentor who can guide us and as you put it it's very important they show us different facets of the profession and sort of guide us through it so if i can ask you right now you lead a team uh, one of the most celebrated teams in a very reputable um, law firm and it must also mean that you have you have juniors under you you have members in your team and uh, you also play a role of a mentor for them so what is it that in a junior that you look for or is it in a junior that stands out for you that you remark okay this is this is a quality that every law student every fresh lawyer uh, should try to imbibe uh so yes you are right uh, i do have a beautiful team which is very close to my heart i have nurtured it uh, and i hold it very close uh see being a partner at a top law firm means you are constantly delivering quality service to clients in a very timely manner that's why they're coming to you that's why they're paying you the price that you uh, ask for uh, this is where you need the support of your team uh while the role of the team members varies from uh, seniority uh, depending on their seniority my expectation from each member is uh, primarily to be that the person has to be hard working has to be detail oriented has to be consistent and uh, should be open to learning constantly uh, being so you know solution oriented and thinking out of the box are also qualities that i always always appreciate everyone knows that this is a problem but what is the solution how do we come out of it now the because the client will always come to you with problems you know uh, i'm also a firm believer of the fact that uh, i can only grow if my team and people associated with me grow together with me as a team uh you may actually find it funny but i constantly tell my team to be hardcore selfish um now this may have confused you what is she saying why selfish 
uh, it's actually being selfish in your approach towards the work assigned uh do you take ownership of the work assigned to you or do you take it as a burden uh, which somehow you want to get rid of uh, so if you fall in the latter category that ab kaam aa gaya hai and i just want to you know get rid of it then you'll have no place at least in my team right i constantly also uh, sort of tell my team to look at themselves as professionals first and not treat it as a job you know it's just a platform being given to you but everything everything that you do uh, you should do it uh, for your own growth and development as a professional uh, don't do it because you know radhika has given me this work do it because now this matter has come to me and i need to give my heart and soul to it because i need to prove something to myself and i need to constantly grow uh from senior members my expectation also is that they constantly sort of train and mentor the junior members of the team and the junior members i like that they should be open to learning and they are easy going in their approach a lot of times i felt that you know when fresh law graduates join law firm they are already in awe of uh, you know big law firm and they feel and some of them are mostly you know they are toppers uh but they fail in meeting expectations because somewhere they have that feeling that i know it all i'm i'm a topper of my college uh and i know it all with that approach uh unfortunately things don't function because what you're taught in law school of course that's that's uh, very important but in theory something is different and practically when you have to apply it, it it's all together a different game so your approach your attitude is very important uh also if you are in my team there is no place for politics or favoritism uh, i just don't like that um uh, i also believe that as a leader of the team knowing your team identifying each one's strength weaknesses is very important uh, so like in the pre pandemic uh, era my team and i would spend a lot of time together be it just working normal chit chatting or even going out for team outings um i've always looked at them as my as as an extension of my family there are certain ideals that i like to follow which is work life balance humanity first trust uh cooperation taking ownership taking responsibility which i believe are paramount uh i feel a team works better if these ideals are followed uh, so so far so good <laughs> absolutely ma'am and as you said that law is a profession that consumes you so uh, if you are to practice law especially when you're working in a team uh, in a law firm that has an accountability of in surmountable amount like it is it is an accountability that uh, requires perfection that requires your utmost performance and if any wants to join that team they might as well be as you listed down detail oriented sincere dedicated and to work in a very systematic manner while also being open flexible in order to adopt and learn that's wonderful ma'am but uh, if i can take this question to a rather selfish uh, realm where i can ask you about how law students because there is a there is there is a reservation when we try and apply for the law firms is whether we can actually perform or not and more often than not we learn about this on the job we reach the internship and then we try and understand that okay these are the this is the culture of this team this is the expectations but if you can please provide me suggestions that when law students try to find their niche create their mark as an intern 
what is it that they can do that can impress the seniors and sort of help the seniors in a really constructive manner sure so like i said earlier uh, what one must not forget is whatever place be it a law firm or you're working as an independent counsel or with a senior counsel whatever place you are at you must continue to learn and grow and become your best versions as professionals as lawyers your goal should be to become an ace lawyer you will automatically start doing things which are required to uh, do uh, or to become a, a good lawyer but how do you do that that's that's uh, well uh, there's no straight answer to that but generally as a fresh uh, graduate some of the things that you may be or should be sort of aiming at is reading do a lot of reading uh, understanding the law the practice the procedure don't uh, you know try and finish up assignment you know that now i want to rush home this is the work given i devote this much time uh, ek research mila hai this proposition i devote maybe an hour and go back to my senior and tell her i didn't find anything uh, you know that could be an answer but then maybe you know for the time being uh well you you have given an answer but maybe that's not served you as a professional and of course you didn't help your senior with it then uh when assigned work i feel lot of juniors are hesitant they don't ask questions even when you know the proposition is not clear they will not ask uh and then they end up doing something else which wastes the time of the team and of course you know they have already spent so much time so my my i would advise that you know whenever you've been given some task ask questions till the time you're clear about the proposition ask what is the timeline given to me how important uh, or uh, how to prioritize because a lot of time what will happen is an intern comes to a team and three four assignments is given uh, to uh, the the person from various seniors now he doesn't know whom should he say no to and whom should whom should he say yes to so he should always you know ask what is the timeline when are you looking at getting this work from me and then prioritize and if you know there could be times when the person is overburdened he must voice it uh because unless you inform your senior that this is the sort of you know work i have your senior won't know and ultimately you know un- and unfortunately we are all here to you know do the job assigned Uh, and the pressures are immense so you have to voice it the other aspect is also voicing your opinion uh you just don't you don't have to be a yes man uh just because your senior feels in a certain way about a particular maybe issue or a subject uh don't just say yes to it because you have to end a discussion uh sometimes you may be wrong so have the openness to accept where you feel that you know the other's point of view is making sense but where you feel that you know maybe this is not something that you agree with you must sort of voice it that is appreciated and that's where you know uh, you will stand out from the others but when you are doing that please remember that you do it with respect and also be open to criticism if it leads to uh, that a uh, lot of times you know we take it to heart oh why did she say like that to me we we become very sensitive about things so if your approach and attitude is right i think uh, you will not find it difficult to uh, gel well in the culture wherever you 
are the other aspect i also feel which uh, lacks in a lot of people is being proactive uh, okay i've been given four things i'll finish the four things and i'll head home but that's not how you would stand out especially in a big law firm where there are too many lawyers how will you stand out you will stand out when you are proactive you take interest on your own uh you go up to your seniors yourself and you know you say uh you know uh i have time uh, on my hand can i help you with something can i assist you with something uh because a lot of times you know seniors uh, are doing are busy doing their job and they sometimes forget to actually delegate uh which is wrong on their part but uh, happens we are all human so uh, when you go and approach uh, your seniors and be proactive about uh, it it's appreciated and the last thing which i would uh, maybe say is that you should constantly constantly observe and absorb you your maximum learning will come through being a, a good observant and when you're absor- absorbing things around you when you're a good listener uh, you you pick on things very very easily uh yeah if you have these things in mind i think you should sail through absolutely ma'am i think this segment in itself is an absolute gem i could literally watch this again and again sort of trying to assimilate all these qualities i personally have had a privilege of working in one commercial uh, litigation chamber for about a year and a half now and uh, one thing that i've learned is that my wonderful boss uh, my mentor he's a mentor now that he has told me that every time you get a job for example the arbitration we were doing is that you take it up as a personal assignment it's something that you need to do it on a very personal capacity the deliverables that you have to send out to your seniors also have to be very personal it's your responsibility so i think whatever you said absolutely i can not just relate to it but want to actually improve on it and yes ma'am i think all i can say is thank you so much for giving us this advice especially for the law students who are trying to intern um with that ma'am i think one major question that comes out of is it is that you've had a wonderful career so far and for anyone who's trying to emulate that someone who's trying to walk in your shoes and trying to learn from your experience follow your footsteps what advice would you give out uh, right from your experience so uh, see i have already touched upon this earlier but on this path uh, of the area that you have chosen the idea is to find yourself who you are and not lose yourself or not be drawn by illusions uh, everything happens for good and each experience teaches us something new you know the tug of war is always you versus you can i do this should i do this am i capable of doing this or the or there are other set of people i know everything oh why did she talk to me like this i am right you know so it's always a you versus you battle so uh you need to get over your limitations and that's where you will expand your uh horizons uh, the sooner we realize this uh, the better and the beauty of the legal profession is that there is always a new puzzle to be solved um there is no fun i feel in being average uh whatever you do i think you should just put in your best and uh things will work out for you that's at least my advice 
Right, right. Absolutely, ma'am. And again, as an extension follow-up to that, uh, making it again selfish a little bit is that your experience with disputes. I think, like me, a lot of other students are also very passionate about disputes in general. Uh, what is it? Because I got a sense of understanding when you said that it is not just a statute, it's not just a law, but a sense of commercial awareness that is required uh, when you're dealing with clients or the issues that come before you. So. You, with the experience of working in disputes such an extensive experience do you have any uh, specific remark or maybe a giveaway from that end um it's like this uh, if i've understood your question correctly uh, 13 years and every time i wear my black robes and enter the court uh, premises it gives me a sense of pride uh i go inside the courtroom with this firm belief that i have to help uh, the justice system to deliver uh, justice to dispense uh, justice and i am here uh, helping out in this whole process um that's what i think is is uh, would be my take wonderful wonderful ma'am i think that's that's a very important value to inculcate in general to have that sense of uh, belongingness and also to have that aspiration is very important um with this ma'am i think we can come to the actual theme of this conversation i'm sorry so one more yes, thing so to uh, what you need to know is and to always remember is that you are helping in dispensation of justice sometimes lawyers don't allow settlements you must you must always remember that you're acting in the interest of the client you must not bring your egos uh, in between uh, look at always the bigger picture so when you're a disputes counsel it's not uh, uh, something that comes very easy that's why they say that you practice law uh, which comes with experience um but to keep these uh, founding principles in mind and i think uh, it should help wonderful wonderful now i think that the idea that you practice law uh, i think that should be the tag of this episode i'm going to use this <laughs> in future conversations as well um as i was saying ma'am um, i think one extension of learning about disputes especially when it comes to specifically arbitration uh, there was a wonderful opinion piece that you've uh, that you've authored and i put that link down in the description for all the viewers who are watching this to please go and read that uh, it's about a very interesting issue that is still sort of before the courts uh, to be permanently decided and i would love to know your opinions on it the issue is about the stampability of the arbitration agreements and if the commercial agreements in totality are not stamped would that affect the arbitration agreement or not so before we get into the specifics of this conversation conceptually ma'am what is your take on this entire issue when we talk about this stampability of arbitration agreements so to understand the legal position in this context we must first understand the stamping legislations the requirement of stamping is governed by as we all know the indian stamp act and the local of course stamping laws of the various states these are primarily fiscal leg- legislations which provide for documents that mandatorily require stamping and the stamp duty is charged on such documents now if a document is required to be stamped 
and it is not stamped or deficiently stamped the consequences under the stamp act will will flow or follow that is you know it cannot be uh, admitted in evidence it cannot be acted upon it must be impounded etc now it's also settled law that an arbitration agreement is separate from that of the main agreement in essence there are two separate agreements though both may be contained in one agreement or one document therefore we need to see if the law provides for stamping of an arbitration agreement if it does then the consequences as stated uh, by me earlier should follow however if it does not then there is no fetter in acting upon the arbitration agreement only also one must keep in mind that the deficient stamping or non payment of stamp duty is a curable defect a party can rectify this defect by simply paying the deficient duty along with a penalty this comes under section 35 of the indian stamp act upon payment of duty and penalty all fetters are removed uh, from such document so this is conceptually the 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 uh, issue i think which you discussed right wonderful ma'am and i think before we move to the second one there is uh, i've been meaning to ask you this when you talk about the severability of the agreement uh, with respect to the arbitration agreement from the com- uh, commercial agreement or the co- agreement in totality essentially uh, w- how severe uh, of an impact does this principle of se- severability create when we talk about this stamping issue i think you've already hinted on it a little bit but if i could please request you to please explain a little bit about it because it does it mean that the arbitration becomes independent in uh, in totality it becomes independent and there is no effect of non stamping of the agreement or is it that it does have some effect and it does flow throughout so let's you know to understand this uh, concept and what trickles down from it i think let's discuss the judgments which have come in in the recent past related to you know uh, this issue which gives clarity uh this way maybe i'll be able to expound better on the issue uh see for example like in smst uh the court held that an arbitration agreement in an unstamped commercial contract cannot be acted upon or is rendered completely unenforceable in law and an arbitration agreement would be invalid when where the contract or instrument is voidable at the option of a party uh this was followed then in garwell uh, wall ropes we all know and then vidya drolia right after these judgments another three bench judgment a bench of the supreme court in nn global uh on the basis of doctrine of separability uh and the fact that an arbitration agreement is not chargeable to stamp duty under the maharashtra stamp act held that there is no legal impediment to the enforceability of the arbitration agreement pending payment of the stamp duty on the substantive contract it also held that the adjudication of the rights and obligations under the unstamped deficiently stamped uh, commercial agreement would not proceed till the mandatorily provisions of the stamp acts are complied with uh since there is a difference of uh, opinion between the two coordinate benches the matter is now before the constitutional bench of five judges so in the interregnum it is advisable that the provisions of the stamp act are complied with see theoretically 
the applicability of provision uh, of the principle of severability is correct but practically ir irrespective of the arbitration agreement being stamped or not the dispute under the main agreement will not move forward till the proceedings of the stamp act are complied with and the stamp duty is paid this position is uh, is being made clear in global mercantile judgment on this point there is no divergence in both in in actually all the judgments does that answer your question yes yes ma'am in fact i was about to ask you when we talk about uh, nn global or we talk about smst and then the juxtaposition maybe carver there was a conversation interesting one about uh, section 11 petitions and how they request the courts to actually delve into the details of the agreement where they only look at uh, the premises uh, of the agreement and then the question of section 16 of the arbitration act and how the the power to actually look into the question of whether it is stamped or not is before the arbitral uh tribunals or not so yes that was that is definitely something that i want to learn about uh, like conceptually these judgments what is the status quo right now for anyone who is trying to understand see status like i said uh both the so in essence both the judgments which uh, or in fact all the judgments uh do specify that irrespective of whether you know the arbitration agreement is stamped or not the dispute will not move forward so on one hand your uh, arbitration agreement uh, which is a dispute resolution mechanism only it's a procedure provided to resolve your dispute but the merits the substantive uh, issues will lie in the main agreement so unless that main agreement Uh, the flaws in the main agreement which is you know uh, maybe if it's not stamped that is removed your dispute practically will not move forward that's the practical problem which comes in so therefore you need to get over the fetters of uh, the main agreement by you know getting the uh, deficient stamp duty paid and the penalty paid and then move forward with uh, your matter so whether the your matter is before the court in a section 11 or if it's in a section 16 before an arbitrator both will first opine that please uh, get your uh, main agreement uh, stamped and sorry pay the stamp duty first only then can we move and look into the main dispute the issues involved right right ma'am and i think to that effect it also uh, sort of creates a creates a position where the issue somehow since it's referred to the uh, larger bench right now uh, it makes all of us curious as to what could be the outcome like what could be the final word when it comes out or hopefully the final word that comes out um, do you have some uh, sort of expectations that this could be the final word or do you have any such ideas that this should be the final word in this present case that's a million dollar question what will the constitution uh, hold uh, but since the matter is subjudice uh, it would not be proper for me to answer this question but i'll only like to reiterate here that uh, which i think i've already somewhere captured that uh, a pro arbitration approach should be maintained by the courts while being it's it being within the contours of the law right uh, that's my expectation from the decision perfect right ma'am and uh, if you like taking this on rather contextual basis 
you say that the approach should be pro arbitration which means that uh, since this is a curable defect the uh, the question should rather be uh, like this should be pro arbitration in a way that it should allow the parties to actually go about it procedurally if possible is is that your take so uh let me touch upon the severability part the principles of severability how and where so i'll elaborate a bit more on that the doctrine uh, of uh, severability is as we all know it's an age old concept uh, it's not just in india also across the globe so the basic concept of severability and competence competence what is that these principles are captured in section 16 of the arbitration act which provides that an arbitral tribunal is ruling on its own jurisdiction the arbitral arbitration clause will be treated as a separate and independent agreement right another aspect uh, is that the court intervention should be minimal in respect of arbitration agreement uh, proceedings that is section 5 of your arbitration act and accordingly the statute gives the power to the arbitrator to decide issues such as its own jurisdiction this has been further fortified by various judicial precedents this position is developed by uh, following the doctrine of severability and competence competence now in the absence of these judgments court intervention would become otherwise routine and the intent of the speedy redressal and the reason why the arbitration act was brought in in the first place would seriously be affected so coming to uh, the judgment the supreme court has followed these principles and held that the arbitration agreement is separate and severable from the underlying agreement this coupled with the fact that an arbitration agreement is not included in the list of instruments chargeable to uh, stamp duty under the maharashtra stamp act enabled the supreme court to enforce the arbitration agreement despite the underlying agreement being not adequately stamped while doing so the supreme court has made it abundantly clear that the matter cannot proceed that's that's where i've been you know repeatedly saying that practically the matter cannot proceed till the stamping deficiency of the main agreement is cured as per the stamp act therefore these principles we have discussed have to be applied in such a manner that a pro arbitration approach is maintained within the contours of the law wonderful wonderful right i i think this uh, this understanding in itself is very important to be developed especially for anyone who's trying to understand this issue and uh, obviously this part of the conversation can help anyone who's trying to learn about it um as we sort of reach the conclusion of this conversation ma'am uh, finally do you have uh, any ideas about this entire conversation or the conceptual understanding of what the issue is and um, is there any closing remark that you have on this front no to uh, conclude um, firstly i'll just say thank you for having me on your show uh, but to conclude i'll just like to uh, say and i like to use a quotation here uh, the very least you can do in your life is to figure out what you hope for and the most you can do is live inside that hope uh, not admire it from a distance but live right in it under its roof i hope you and all your viewers of your show have a hope to live for uh, especially you know in the in the pandemic <laughs> right right uh, with this i think i'd like to uh, conclude 
wonderful i think these kind of words are the ones that actually give us a reassurance that irrespective of whatever be the times whatever be the market situation we as law students might as well be living our hope and be trying to live out that dream that we have and work hard and possibly get an opportunity to interact with you work for you work with you in future and learn as much as we can uh, from your experience and uh, i believe an episode like this definitely was indispensably required on this podcast thank you so much ma'am for taking time off your very very busy schedule i understand i have already taken much of your time but uh, thank you so much for joining me i had a wonderful time speaking with you i hope you had a good time too thank you thank you no see the times are tough but who knew uh, you know one and a half years back that everything could be worked out through uh, virtual setup you and i will be talking like this over zoom uh 2 years back i could not have imagined a situation where i could have a team meeting with a client you know over zoom or a client meeting over zoom or another virtual platform uh but uh, that's what uh, you know we human beings are maybe made up of we are we are given that uh, consciousness to you know constantly evolve and adapt to the changing times so i understand that you as law students are having a a terrible time i mean it's really tough for you law students but uh, uh, maybe you will bring in the change which is uh, sort of required make the system more efficient through virtual setup maybe and you are lucky that way because you are the first generation in that sense to maybe become experts of it we are learning we are learning how to use the <laughs> systems you know and you are you 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 just you you may be born with it you know <laughs> right right ma'am i we just hope that the courts adopt the hybrid system as soon as possible it might as well just make our jobs very very easy in the coming times uh, with all the hazards of the industry <laughs> i mean hybrid is the way to go uh, right. hybrid is the way to go we have no other choice right wonderful wonderful thank you so much ma'am thank you so much for this wonderful uh, wonderful conversation thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for joining me for this conversation thank you kostar